Good morning. Hallelujah. We expected some great things for 2022. Uh, it will happen if we pray and believe the Lord. Uh, Miss Christie, I think we have a, a word up there. Sila, I think Brother Michael got it prepared for us. If you, there it is. Sila. That's what we shared with you last Sunday. That means pause and give it good consideration. And uh, somewhat this morning, I'd like to continue on that thought. What I'd like to do is uh, look at some quiet time before the Lord by Jesus Christ himself. Sela time. Pause. Pause and think of that. I uh, think sometimes we get in too big of a hurry and uh, we fail to really uh, come before the Lord and, and be sensitive to what he is saying, listening to him. And I trust that the year 2022 will be a time when we'll just set aside some time and wait upon the, him and receive strength from him. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 says it this way, but you, when you pray, didn't say if you pray. He just assumed that we do pray. When you pray, go into your room. The Amplified says they're your most private room. I like the King James. It says go into your closet. But go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There Jesus expects us to do something. He expects us to go into our private room, our closets, and spend some time there. I think it's important that we shut the door and understand that uh, we're going to close out all the things that distract us, whether it's television, radio, computers, family, spending some time along with God. I hope you have an outline of the sermon. Uh, if you do not, you can lift your hand and Brother Chip will make sure you have one. The great British preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote, Prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with God. One of the greatest encouragements to pray or the greatest display of our need for prayer is the fact of Jesus' private Prayer. Throughout his life on earth, Jesus seized the opportunity to be alone with the Father, praying certainly in secret. Jesus invites us to join him in his secret place. May we not allow present day distractions stop us from spending time alone with the Lord. There's no question that Jesus Christ is our example and our pattern for our prayer life. I'm reminded of Hudson Taylor, which was the great missionary to China in the last part of the 1800s, and he founded the uh, Inland China Mission, whose work has touched that nation to this day, the writer says. His children wrote a book about his life called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. I just, he says, finished reading it a week ago, and in it they wrote, among other things, about Hudson Taylor's commitment to daily prayer with God. Listen at the kids, the children of Hudson Taylor. 
It was not easy for Mr. Taylor in his changeful, busy life to make time for prayer and Bible study. But he knew that it was vital. Well, do the writers, his children, remember traveling with him month after month in northern China by cart and by wheelbarrow with the poorest of inns at night, often with only one large room for coolies and travelers alike, they would screen off a corner for their father and another for themselves with curtains of some sort. And then after sleep at last had brought a measure of quiet, they would hear a match struck and see the flicker of a candlelight, which told that Mr. Taylor, however weary, was pouring over the little Bible into which two columns always he had on hand. From 2 to 4 a.m., let me say that again, from 2 to 4 a.m. was the time he usually gave to the prayer, to prayer. The time when he could be most sure of being undisturbed to wait upon God. That flicker of candlelight has meant more to them than all they have read or heard on secret prayer. It meant reality, not preaching, but practice. In the late 1600s, Susan Wesley and her husband Charles had 19 children, two of whom were John and Charles Wesley, who grew up to become two of the most influential Christian ministers in history. You can imagine the craziness in their home with 19 children, but she also trained her kids that when she put her apron over her head, it was time that mom needed to pray, and they were quiet and left her alone. You may not have an apron to put over your head, but you have a place that you can go to, a closet, an isolated place. And ever since I was a young man, I have a certain place I enjoy going to, especially when I really uh, want to praise God or ask God specifically for something. And it's important that you have a specific place, something that you do, that we do, to set aside time wherein that we can certainly call on God and he will, amen, hear us. If you will, let's look at six times that Jesus isolated himself. Most of these times he was by himself. And these times are great examples for you and I as believers. Wouldn't you, don't you want to know when, what took place around the time that Jesus said, or the Bible says that he went up into a private place, a wilderness, desert place, one writer says, to pray so we can certainly pattern our life after the Lord Jesus Christ. When should we pray? When you want a deeper relationship with the Spirit. In St. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when he had ended, he was hungry. My friend, this is Jesus' sila time. This is a time that he would be before the Lord in fasting and praying. Time when he would pause and reflect on what had happened and reflect on the things that needed to happen. Also in the 14th verse of that same chapter, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. I believe the church needs the power of God. Amen. We don't we don't need more programs. We don't need larger churches. We don't need fancy presentations. We need the power of God. 
And the only way to have the power of God and for you and I to be anointed, the only way that we can flow and minister to people with the power of the Holy Spirit is certainly through your and my spending time alone with God. Jesus experienced the power of the Spirit through fasting and praying. Amen. I want to do that, don't you? This year, 2022, wouldn't you like to see the manifestation of the Spirit of the Lord? People's lives being changed through the power of God. You and I can't do that. It's going to take us going before the Lord, spending time alone with God, and out of that comes forth us the anointing of God and the Spirit of God. Not only did he go for a deeper relationship with the Spirit, not only we need to do that, when you prepare to start your day, it's when your mind is fresh, when God can speak to you, when the Word of God can be life to you. And that's what it is. God's Word is life. And it's early in the morning. The Bible says in St. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Now in the morning... Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now, I was not a morning, morning person when I was younger. I didn't want to get up too early. I don't know how you are. You may be a morning person. But listen, the challenge is before all of us. That if we go to work at a certain time, we get up at least 15, 30 minutes early and spend some quiet quality time before the Lord. The day will go much better. Amen. Jesus Christ showed the need of prayer in order to be sustained by the Holy Spirit and to be effective in the kingdom of God. When he wanted the power of the Lord, when he prepared to start the day, and then when you are totally depleted, times of depletion can become times of temptation. And I believe so many people are tempted. So many people are, are tried. So many people fall during that time of depletion. But Jesus knew what to do. The Bible says in Luke 5, verses 15 and 16. However, the report went out around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Verse 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness. And there he prayed. The Bible says that there was a man in a certain city that came to him. And the Bible says he was full of leprosy. Full of leprosy. He fell down before Jesus Christ and he said, Master, if thou wilt, thou canst make me whole. And Jesus said, I will. And he touched them. He touched him. Jesus touched, which he was not supposed to do, a leper. And the Bible says he immediately was made whole. He did not want it to be broadcast, but it was. His fame and his popularity spread throughout the region. And people began to come. And they began to crowd around him. He didn't have any time. So he made time. He purposefully set aside time to go into a private place because he knew if he wasn't restored, he allowed himself to be depleted, it would be a time when the enemy would try him. Not only a time of depletion, but when you have to make a life-altering decision. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. I'll never forget we spent all night in prayer here at the church. It was a struggle. Prayer's not easy. It's not easy. I don't care when you pray. Most of the time it's not easy. And we have to set aside time. We have to, as Brother Diddy was talking about earlier, we have to schedule time. 
We have to make time to pray. But the Bible says he prayed all night. What was happening the next day? He called his disciples together, and there he chose out of all of those disciples 12 men to be his apostles. And there the Bible says he called them their apostles. Before he made that great decision, and these men turned the world upside down. I think he made a pretty good choice. At the moment, it didn't look so choicey. It didn't look so good. Peter? The fiery preacher, the preacher that was always running his mouth when he shouldn't at times. Judas, all these, and yet they did turn the world upside down. When you have to make a big decision, a particular decision, maybe about your health, maybe about your children, maybe about your job. Maybe about moving. God, God's concerned about major decisions that we make in our lives. And Jesus said, hey, hey, I'm going to make a decision tomorrow. I'm going to choose 12 men out of all of the disciples, and I want those 12 men to follow me, and I want to make them fishers of men. And he prayed about it. Not only did he pray about it, he prayed all night. Always consult the Lord about everything. It's important. Do we consult the Lord about our companions? Do we consult the Lord about our moves and about what decisions that we've got to make? Father, what do you want me to do? Amen? Amen? <laughs> we need to consult him, certainly, about our decisions. Number five, when you are standing before an impossibility. Would you look at John 11, 41 through 44? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, now he didn't have to do this. Jesus was in touch with the Lord, but he stopped everything. Once he told them, and Lazarus was in that too, but once he told them to remove the stone, then he stopped. And here's what he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. Isn't that wonderful to know that God Almighty always hears us? As most of you know, we've been meeting every Tuesday morning for over 21 years, almost 22 years. And we've been praying. About 40 ministers come together and we pray and we pray and we believe God. And we've prayed well over 10,000. I think it's probably double that. 10,000 prayers over the last 20 some years. I do not believe one of those prayers have gone unnoticed. Now, maybe they were not answered the way we wanted them answered. But I could stand here and tell you time and time and time again when we have seen the hand of God move in this city. We just had our mayor, the mayor that's the mayor of Durham now. We just had her in our meeting. And we heard her testimony for the Lord. And then we sat her in the seat that we set people in and laid hands on her. And we laid hands on her and prayed for her. And we are believing God as she leads this city, I hope and I trust, in the right way. It's important. Thousands and tens of thousands of prayer. And God and Jesus is saying, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43. Now when he had said these things, he cried <laughs> with a loud voice. He cried with a loud voice. Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus would cry out to the Lord, 
The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, he, who in the days of his flesh, when he had off, offered up prayers and supplications, this is talking about none other than the one we're studying this morning, Jesus Christ, he offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and heard because of his godly fear. The intensity that Jesus prayed with, the deep emotional feeling that he prayed with, he cried out to the Lord. How many of you know it's time for the church to cry out to God? We may be like the brother around the altar. This man was just, well, about like, the Hispanic folks Friday night. If you were here Friday night, they stirred up. I mean, they were loud. And I thank God sometimes we can get loud. It's okay. I don't believe in getting loud for loud's sake, but it's time that the church was moved by the power of God and cry out to God. And so the man was down at the altar crying out to God and loud. Well, there was a brother next to him. He was disturbing his prayer, and he reached over, and he said, Listen, brother, God's not deaf. He said, No, and he's not nervous neither. He just went to calling out to God and crying out to God. Jesus called out to his father. He cried out. He was moved. And it's time the church be moved over our, our nation, our society, our culture. This coming Wednesday night, David Jeremiah will be sharing on council culture. That's not new. The, the saying is new and the form is new, but they've been trying to counsel Jesus ever since he came on this earth. China's been trying to counsel the gospel for, for years and years and years. The church, my friend, is in a battle and it's time for the church to cry out with a battle cry. Here I am, Lord. I'm here to cry out to you. I'm moved by the drugs, by the alcohol, by the immorality. I'm moved the way our nation is going. It moves me, Lord. And you can't tiptoe through the tulips and get it done. You've got to call out to God. And Jesus mourned and cried out to his father. Then we are standing before an impossibility. When you're standing, when you're facing seemingly impossibilities, ver uh, verbalize your total dependence upon him. I think, it's, I think it's time for the church to look and believe God for impossibilities. I'm not even sure we're exercising faith unless we're facing things that are impossible for us. For us, but it's not impossible with God. Those 12 men stood on the banks of Canaan. They were instructed to go into Canaan land and spy it out. Ten of them came back and said, we can't do it. It's impossible. We can't go. There's, there's giants in the land. It's well fortified. When we've come all this way, 40 years, and now we can't do it. The devil will tell you with your family. He'll tell you with your job. He'll tell you with your health. You can't do it. But we can. Amen. Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> oh, we're well able to take that. They saw the giants. They saw all the opposition. The devil will make that so big in your eyes and my eyes. We can't change this culture. It's too ingrained with evil and immorality. I'm telling you, God can change this culture. He can change things around us if we'll believe for the impossible. You think that's not impossible for a man to be in his grave and dead for days? And yet Jesus said, come forth. <clears throat> Amen? Wow. Preaching, Brother Don. Good preaching, Brother Don. When you're standing before an impossibility, God wants to release his power in your life. 
I'm going to say that again. God wants, you have it. Every spirit-filled believer, God has given you the power. We need to believe God. We need to trust God. We need to exercise faith. Ian Bound said, the possibilities of prayer are the possibilities of faith. Prayer and faith are twins. One heart animates them both. Faith is always praying. Praying is always believing. Faith must have a tongue by which it can speak. Prayer is a tongue of faith. Faith must receive. Prayer must rise and soar. Faith must give prayer the wings to fly and the wings to ascend. Prayer must have an audience with God. Faith opens the door and access and audience are given. Prayer asks. Faith lays its hand on the thing asked for. Are you in an are you in an um? impossible place your health your children where are we at today I think our nation faces impossible things but with God all things are possible <laughs> I believe with God all things are possible amen and we're to believe God and trust him and God will change people's lives God will change people's lives. The power of possibility. You and I are standing between the impossible and the possible. And the only way we're going to see the impossible be possible is through and by certainly the spirit and power of God. When you're struggling to do the will of God, Jesus took his disciples and he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and there he prayed. Well, first of all, he left some of the disciples and took Peter, James, and John a little further. He said, watch with me, guys. Watch with me. Pray with me. And I think that's what the church, that's what God is doing to the church today whether it's in a private room or whether it's collectively around the altar on Friday night. God, I don't want to pray. I'd rather do a lot of things than pray. I'm here most Friday nights and it's a struggle because the flesh is screaming out, don't go, I don't want to go. The flesh does not want you to pray. Jesus said, the flesh is weak, but the what spirit is willing. Spirit, we need to walk, talk, pray, sing in the spirit. We need to live in the spirit. When you're struggling to do the will of God, Jesus said, Father, if it be thy will. This is where Hebrews 5 and 7 was telling us he prayed. In fact, one writer said he's pray, he prayed until his sweat became his great drops of blood. God, give us a church that prays. Give us a people that will go into their closet, shut the door, and stay there. Give us men and women that will be like Hudson Taylor. It might be between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning, or it might be late at night. Whenever it is, God, let me go into my private room. And the Father which sees you in secret will reward you openly. We need to see that. Can you say amen? When you struggle to do the will of God, Matthew 26, 36, it says. I hope I got it. Matthew 26, 36. Anyway, this is when Jesus went to pray in the garden of Gethsemane. The agony. Can you imagine the agony? Can you imagine what he was going through? But he dared to pray. Uh, he prayed. Jesus prayed early in the morning. Jesus is shown 
at least 38 times in the Bible to pray. Jesus not only prayed early in the morning, he prayed all night. Jesus not only prayed early in the morning and all night, but both before and after the great events of his life. Jesus prayed when life was unusually busy. Brother Don, I'm busy. Well, let me mention, I'm closing. Let me mention a few people that were busy. Daniel. (laughs) I got a feeling Daniel in that Babylon nation, country, was busy. In fact, they made a rule, a law. You can't pray to your, uh, any other God. You got to bow. It's God Nebuchadnezzar. And the Bible says he knew when that had been passed, he went to his house. He raised his window. He said, why did he do that? Because they were to pray towards Jerusalem. And he raised that window. And three times a day this met. Three times a day. He got on his knees and prayed. The devil was so mad he had him thrown into the lion's den. But because of his faith in God and his prayer, his praying, God shut the lion's mouth. Isn't that something? Prayed three times a day. David prayed three times a day. Psalms chapter 5, verse 3. This is a New American Standard Bible, 1995. In the morning, O Lord, this is David. You will hear my voice. In the morning I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. What was David saying? David said, I'll take my prayers. I'll collectively get get them together. I will order. I'll put it here. I'll put it there. I will arrange my prayers. I'll get everything in order. I'll, I'll set aside time. I'll realize the importance of praying and I'll arrange my prayers. And this is what I'll do three times a day. You think the king of Israel was busy? Was he too busy to pray? Not David. David prayed three times a day. If you want to read a great story, one of the greatest stories in the Bible, Read Genesis chapter 24. I don't have time to do much with it today, but it's a great, great chapter. Abraham looked at Eliezer, his his servant. He said, I I don't want Isaac marrying these Canaanite women. I want you to go back home, and I want you to get Isaac a wife. But what if she won't come? The servant said, you go in the name of the Lord and God will give you favor, Abraham said. Abraham was old, but he still exhibited great faith in the Lord. And so here they are. Ten camels. Ten. And they're on their way back home to fetch a wife for Isaac. Eliezer, get back. he gets back and he comes to the well and he says to the Lord, he has all the camels to kneel. The camel train. I love the camel train. It's a song. You ought to Google it. It's a great song. The camel train. He has all the camels to kneel. And the servant said, Lord, if, if you will give me favor for the, the, the woman that comes, If I ask her for a drink and she gives me a drink, allow that person to be the one of my father Abraham's son, Isaac. And so here comes a woman by the name of Rebecca. (laughs) She has a pitcher and she goes out in the water and gets a cool drink of water. 
Eliezer says to Rebekah, give me a drink. And she said, not only will I give you a drink, but I'll water your camels. <laughs> Do you know how much a camel drinks? One camel? Not only will I give you a drink, I'll water all your camels. And she did. And Eliezer knew this is the woman. This is the woman. He goes to her house. Her father, Laban, Laban, I believe his name, whatever his name was, he consents. The next day, the servant says, we've got to get back. It's time to go. And the mother of Rebecca said, could you just let her stay here a few more days? And he said, I, 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 we'll ask her. And so he turns to Rebecca and said, Rebecca, are you ready to go? She says, I'm ready to go. I mean, she was something else. That woman was something else. And they got on that camel train. Ten camels going across the desert. Going across the desert. And do you know where they found Isaac? Listen. Genesis 24, 16. Great chapter. Read it. Genesis 24. It's a great study. Genesis 24. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. <laughs> Let me tell you, God Almighty sent the Holy Spirit to this earth. And he said, I want you to get a bride for my son. Hallelujah. Worthy of my son. You're talking about a camel train. The Holy Spirit is on that camel train to this earth. And he's gathering up the bride of Jesus Christ without spot or wrinkle. And one day we're going to go back home. We're going to go home. And we're going to be with Jesus Christ throughout the eternal ages. Hallelujah. The camel train. When Isaac saw the camel train, he stopped everything he was doing and he started running. Rebecca saw him coming. <laughs> that's her former husband. That is the one that's going to take the place of Abraham, Isaac. What a man. What a son. What a story. The camel train. He runs toward the camel strain and train and she, he, she lighted off of her camel and ran. Oh, my Lord. Wow, wow, wow. Carol was 14 years old when we met. I believe it was. 12 years old. What was it? 14. Her dad would come down to Sampson County and hold revival and we'd, we'd go and Man, he could preach. You know how to pray, man? Tell a man that pray. He, he, he prayed so in the woods until his toes on his shoes stayed up like that. Now, that's prayer. I've had my shoes, but I tied them up with a fish string. I did. I tied it up with a fish string. But he didn't have to tie his up. He was a praying man of God. Many a night, Carol went to sleep with his voice ringing out through the house, praying and believing in God. And that's the reason he could lay his hands on a little baby that the chest was growing in. And he'd lay his hand on that baby and the chest, while he had his hand on it, grew out like this. That's the reason that a young girl that had a built-up shoe, I don't know how much it was. I think it was at least four inches short. Linda had a shoe that was that. He laid his hand on her, Linda, and her leg grew out, and they had to put a regular shoe on him. He was a praying man. She became, by the way, a minister of the gospel. He knew what it was to pray. 
and call out to God. But we were just like brothers and sisters. I mean, I liked her and she liked me. I don't know, did you love me? I don't know if you love me or not. And I moved from Sampson County to Durham County and I stayed with them. Then we moved from the old uh, road out there and I believe we came to Holder Road. Maybe back, anyway, I was staying with them on Holder Road. And uh, as I said, she was just like my sister. But one day she, the school bus came up and I was sitting at the big window there. And she lighted off of that bus and I said, my God, I could have had a V8. You know, she was just absolutely gorgeous. Now, I don't know if you fall in love all of a sudden, but I believe that day I fell in love with my wife. And it was been many, many years, and I still love her as much or more than I did then. Rebecca lighted off of that camel. Here comes Isaac, and he said, wow! <laughs> I mean, this is, this is the camel's train. Eli, I mean, Isaac prayed in the field, wherever God calls us to pray. And one more, can I close with this one? Peter, where are you at, Peter? I'm up on the housetop. What are you doing, Peter? I'm praying. What's going to be birth out of that prayer? The Gentile nation is going to hear the gospel. Woo, hallelujah. God's people, that's a good place. Amen. That's a good place. God's people need to pray for out of that prayer, God will move. God will move. Hallelujah. Whatever you need from God, whatever you want to happen. Now, I'm not saying God will answer the way that you want it to happen, but I believe it, he'll answer and he'll move. I've been trying to think of the folks at DMIP where she wanted the, uh, them, huh? Sue Clayton. What was the preacher's name? Buck and Sue Clayton. Phil Wiggins, thank you. Just ask her. Uh, Phil Wiggins was the chaplain for the police department. He lost his son yesterday. It just broke my heart. I love Phil, Phil Wiggins. He came to DMIP for years. And he came, can I get some soft music, Brother Matt? And, and all of you can come, but listen to me. He came to DMIP and he said, folks, I, I really want you to pray. Buck Clayton was a policeman. Sue Clayton worked as a secretary in the police department. That was his wife. But Phil was walking by our office one day, and she called him. She said, Phil, would you, would you come here? She said, I want to ask you to do something. He said, okay, if I can. She said, I found out I had cancer, and I'm dying and I want you to preach my funeral. He said, I'm so sorry, but yes, I will. She said, but Phil, I don't want you to mention Jesus Christ. She was an agnostic. I want you to preach my funeral, but don't mention Jesus Christ. She grew worse and worse since she was at regional hospital. He was up to visit with her, Sue Clayton. Buck made him, made him out in the hall and said, Phil, she's weak, but yes, you can visit with her. But listen, do not mention the name. Don't pray. And do not mention the name of Jesus Christ. And so he visited her and in private away from her. He'd pray for her. Buck and Sue, they were looking for something to bring healing to her. So they heard of this medicine in, true story, in Mexico. And so they loaded up and went to Mexico in her weakened condition. 
And they went into the doctor's office in Mexico. They gave her some papers to fill out, and she filled out all the papers. The doctor came in, took the papers, and was going over them. On the papers, it said, what religion? And she said, none. She was not religious. And that doctor sitting behind his desk looked up from the desk and said, Sue, I noticed you here answered this question that you didn't have any religion. She said, no. And he said, Sue, in Mexico, not a preacher, not a priest, but a doctor, said, Sue, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And all of a sudden, tears started flowing down her face. She said no. And that doctor with those papers in his hand looked at Sue Clayton and said, Sue, wouldn't you like to know Jesus as your personal Savior? And she said yes. Yes. Sue Clayton in Mexico, in the doctor's office, bowed her head, prayed the sinner's prayer, and accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. They came back home. She died. But Phil Wiggins was able to preach her funeral, and guess what he was able to do? He was able to tell that story and mention Jesus Christ. Would you praise the Lord for that? <laughs> Hallelujah. I love that story. <laughs> but that's what happened with DMIP. Something happens when you pray. It may not be when you want it to. How, wouldn't it have been nice if Buck and Sue had gone to a church here in, North, in America and Durham and she went to the altar and got saved? What is she doing going to Mexico? Nothing God can do. Let me tell you, you can't get too far away from God that he can't hear you. You may be facing an impossibility today. The devil may tell you it won't happen, it can't happen, it never will happen. I would go and get my brother out of jail. I witnessed to him. He stayed with us for a while, Carol and I. But he continued to get worse and worse. Alcohol had him bound so bad. He'd get up in the morning and he would, just like this, he would try to drink a Coke or something and he couldn't even get it to his mouth. He would have to have a drink in the morning to even function, even function. But my mama's prayers were still alive. She's been dead for years. But mama prayed. And when mama prayed, something happened. Hallelujah. My mama's prayers touched the throne of God. You pray for your son. You pray for your wife. You pray for your, your children. You pray for your grandchildren. You pray for your lost loved ones. God Almighty, if it's down to the last moment, he'll bring them in. God knows how to do it. It looked like Junius was going to die an alcoholic. But when you pray, God gets a hold of whatever it is. And he'll squeeze that heart so hard until liquid will run out your eyes. You'll start crying. And he wept his way through an old-fashioned altar. You have a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a loved one. And the devil tells you they'll never change. Your situation will never change. God will change it. God will change it. Bow your heads. Father, we love you today. We love you today. 
Lord, I thank you for the camel train. Hallelujah. I thank you, dear God, that the Holy Ghost was sent to this earth to gather a bride fit for a king. God, and in our sin and in our rebellion and backslidden condition, you get a hold of us, Lord, and you change us from darkness into light. You wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb. You cleanse us and make us ready for the bride. <laughs> Lord, if there's a man or woman, young person here today, that they need cleansing, that their robes needs to be washed in the blood of a Lamb. Lord, without Calvary, we can't be cleansed. Without the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ, there is no remission of sin. Cleanse us. Search our hearts here today. Search our hearts here today. You hear today you don't know Christ? Maybe all of us knew him. I don't know. But maybe you're away from him. Maybe you've drifted away. Maybe your heart's become hard. Somehow, over the years, it's become calloused. God wants to touch your life. He wants to redeem you. If not you, then your child. If not your child, then your grandchild. No matter your family, your loved one, your friend. Now, Father, you see us here this morning. Search every heart. Reveal to each one of us. What the song we sung opening, open the eyes of our heart. God, don't let me be blinded by sin. Don't let me be blinded, dear God, to the things that my eyes need to be opened to. Sanctify our eyes, open our eyes, reveal to us our spiritual condition this morning. And help us to respond in a positive way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand and sing with us if you would.